seven strangers, does that not make you a serial killer? I didn't kill them every day, did I? Did I go out there every day and say, hmm, I'm going to kill them? If I did, there well, would be hundreds. Well, no, it took you 12 months. Then he rings up Rex again, and that's when I looked at him and I started laughing. If I had shot my own children, would I not have done a good job of it? Because, you know, first of all, women generally don't commit crimes this heinous. Right. Uh, you know, this is usually the domain of men. That's unfortunate. Hi, Gabe. Hey, Danny. How are you doing? You know, uh, as you know, because you're going through your own stuff, it's mm-hmm. been a rough week. Uh, it, it kept us from recording an episode or pu- from publishing an episode last week, which is not something we typically do. But yeah, going through, just I'm helping out a friend. My friend's going through a lot right now. He's, he's having a family tragedy. So he's in town. He's a long, longtime friend. I've known him since middle school. So I, I've known him a, a large portion of my life. But, you know, trying to help him out. So that, of course, meant I wasn't as available to record. But, it, you know, in a way, it kind of worked out because you also had a very busy week. But, yeah. Yes. But, but how's, I mean, obviously, I have an, an idea of it. But how's your week been so far? <laughs> oh, so good. Awesome. Just top-notch amazing. No complaints here. Yeah, all good. No, it's been a shit show. Um, <laughs> I've been really, really busy and stressed out. Uh, honestly, for a few weeks now. Last week, really amped up. So hopefully, next week will be better. I'm. Uh, I have a few big things happening in my life right now. Some of which you know, like buying a new car and getting engaged, and then my sister's getting married, and I'm one of her maid of honors. So I've been planning that and those are all like really happy things, <laughs> but there's been other stuff. It's just been stressful, but hopefully next week will be better. So yeah, we can't get worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. It could get way worse. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Let's hope it doesn't. I mean, you have a brand new car mm-hmm. with a brand new catalytic converter. I, that is true. So yes. it could definitely get worse. Yes, it could. If that got stolen, I would cry. (laughs) (laughs) But we are very safe where we park now. We don't park on any streets because of these hooligans who go around just ruining people's car. um, Apparently some of them got caught, right? Yeah, like seven of them or something got caught. Yeah, one of them had the same name as a guy who was in my grade in high school. It was that guy. It it was him. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Kobe notes him. <laughs> Whoa, but he he seemed like a cool, like a nice dude in high school. People change. Like, I mean, how much have I changed since high school? I don't know. You you like you're like more confident, more willing to talk. <laughs> I talk now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When I knew you in in high school, you didn't talk very much. No. So I, I don't know if you changed more or you just actually say what's on your mind more. Yeah, I just lost the ability to care. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, so it was him. Whoa, that's strange. Yeah, he, I, I would Gabe's not have, mind is blown. It is a little bit. Yeah, he, he really was like, he never caused issues in high school. He seemed like, uh, almost like he blended in actually. Mm-hmm just never stood out, never had, never had issues with anyone. Well, they were all found with meth too. So I think there's some drug uh, stuff going on. 
Well, but, uh, yeah, but I mean, like, come on, blending in means nothing. Look at the people we've talked about. That's true, but a lot of them did not <laughs> blend in. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, you ready to hear about a murderer? Murderer? A murderer? Yeah. <laughs> a murderer? <laughs> Always. And She's, this one is special, right? It is. Yeah. She's actually on our intro song. The one who says, um, I didn't kill them every day. Did I? Yeah. There's the interviewer who uh, says like, what does the interviewer say? I don't know. We hear that song like every week and we, yeah. And then, so then she responds and she says, I didn't kill them every day. Did I, but she killed seven people in one year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, that, I think, yeah, she's getting accused of being a serial killer and she's, like, like, no, uh, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, for those of you who don't know, her name is Eileen Warnos. And she was born in Rochester, Michigan on February 29th, 1956. It's a leap day. Wait. And wait, wait, what? <laughs> February 29th. Oh, I heard 26th for some reason. Oh, no, the 29th oh. leap day. Wow. So she could have been a minor when she committed these crimes. That's how birthdays work. <laughs> right. Her birthday's only, what, every four years? Yeah. Anyway, so her mother... <laughs> okay, we're just going to start off with the depressing stuff. I mean, the story never gets better, but here's the... here's It's just brutal. So her mother was named Diane Warnos, and her father was Leo Dale Pittman. Diane, her mother, was 15 years old when she married Leo. 15, so clearly we're off to a great start here. So less than two years after being married, Diane is now seven-ish months pregnant and she files for a divorce. And Diane and Leo already have one kid together named Keith who was born the previous year. Because of the divorce, as well as Eileen's father, Leo, going to prison for the rape and attempted murder of a seven-year-old girl, Eileen never meets her father. Leo is thought to have schizophrenia and he ends up killing himself in prison in 1969. So, he kills himself, and then in January of 1960, so this is nine years before he killed himself, but he is in prison. But in January of 1960, Eileen is almost four years old, and Diane leaves her and Keith with her parents, so Eileen's grandparents, and just never returns. <laughs> so she abandons her kids when they're about four and five years old. And they end up legally being adopted by the grandparents three months later. The grandparents are like, okay, she's not coming back. So we'll just adopt them. And the grandparents actually don't tell the kids that they're not the legal parents. Like they're not the biological parents until they're like 12 and 13 years old. So they go from five to 13 thinking the grandparents are their real parents. Does I'm that surprised. make sense? Yeah, yeah, but I'm surprised okay. they they bought it. Five 
that's like around the time you get most people get their first memories so yeah you're like hippocampus is more developed and whatnot yeah so i'm surprised they bought that you know? they probably just i don't know kids are so gullible so i don't know i, I maybe yeah. they just didn't have the like ability to think be i don't know anyways so <laughs> the grandparents were not good like you would think oh maybe this will be better no it wasn't uh the grandparents were named lori and brit warnos lori was the grandfather and he was an alcoholic and a real jerk he like beat his kids and all you know the stuff he shouldn't do by age 11, Eileen was engaging in sexual activities with her classmates in exchange for things like money, cigarettes, drugs, and food. They even called her the cigarette pig. So, yeah. And Eileen has come out in interviews. So her interviews are kind of all over the place. I honestly wouldn't take them as 100% true, but she has come out and said that around this time she had a sex sexual relationship with her brother, but his friends have come out and said, like, I don't think he would ever see her as anything except a little sister who tagged along, you know? So I don't know if it's true or not. Around this time, she is estimated by her school to have an IQ around 81, which is low, but normal. Is it? Like, yeah. Because uh, it's it, 100 is the average. For, for that age. Uh, okay, got it. Eileen has also come out and said that she was raped by her grandfather's friend more than once. And at age 14, she became pregnant. And it's kind of insinuated by her that the father's probably the grandfather's friend who raped her. But she, okay, so she becomes pregnant and she's sent to a home for unwed mothers. And she gives birth and her kid is placed for adoption with not completely with her consent. And she ends up naming her kid Keith, which is her brother's name. And some people are like, I wonder if maybe her brother is the dad, but this kid, it was a closed adoption. Nobody knows what happens to the kid after he's, it was a son. She named him Keith, but that's all that's known about him. So after he's adopted, she moves back into her grandparents' home and her grandma at this time dies of psoriasis, which we've covered before. It's like the liver failing, which is common with alcoholics. So after her grandma dies, her grandpa uses this excuse saying he can't take care of her or Keith anymore and he kicks them out of the house. And they're like 15. So her brother it seems like he had some friends he went and lived with, but Eileen was not, she didn't really have friends. She was like the cigarette pig, you know? 
So she ends up going and living in the woods behind her grandpa's house in Michigan. It gets cold. And she says she like finds an abandoned car to keep her warm. And sometimes she can trade sex for a place to sleep at night and stuff like that. Why didn't her brother take her with him? I don't think he could. I think she had like a really bad reputation as a girl who would do this stuff. So I don't think anybody wanted her. And she just did what she had to do. And she sold herself to get food and sometimes shelter and whatnot and cigarettes. And then in the early to mid 1970s, so she was born. She was born in 1956, so she would be like, what, almost 20? Maybe? I don't know. (laughs) This this was 70-something? Yeah, so she was born in 1956, and then this was like early 1970s. Oof, I mean, yeah, she could still be a teenager easily. Yeah, yeah. Well, she decides to leave and go hitchhike for a better life. And in 1974, she's arrested in Jefferson County, Colorado, for driving under the influence and firing a 22 caliber pistol from a moving vehicle. So she's living her life. She fails to appear at court and just keeps living her nomad lifestyle. Then in 1976, she ends up hitchhiking to Daytona Beach, Florida. And this is the same year that her grandfather commits suicide and her brother dies of cancer. Her brother? But he he must have been in his 20s. Uh, 1976. He was born in 1955. Yeah, it was... Um, oh, from smoking, you think? Yeah, some kind of throat cancer. I I should know the name. But it was from smoking or something like that, yeah. That's still incredibly young. young. Mm Mm-hmm. That is some bad luck. Yeah, and she was really close to him, so that's rough. In Daytona Beach, Florida, she meets a 70-year-old yacht club president named Louis Fell. And soon after meeting, they get married but Eileen keeps getting into bar fights and she's not she's not able to be this like proper woman that Mr. Fell wanted her to be. He pretty much just wanted like a trophy wife. At, at one point, Eileen hit Fell with his own cane and he filed for a restraining order and ended up annulling their marriage nine weeks after getting married. How quickly after meeting did they marry? I couldn't find it, but it was it seems like pretty huh. pretty quick. <laughs> so and she was really pretty at this time. But after <laughs> I feel like I say that every time and you're always like, really? <laughs> you know, maybe it's because we we go through the stories and then I look at them. So then my my opinion of them is already colored. Yeah. I'm just like, nah, that that lady is insane. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. 
So after their marriage gets annulled, Eileen continues to make money through sexual sexual favors and small crimes. Like she robbed a convenience store for $33 and ends up having to serve a year in prison for that. Uh, I I guess in prison she is taken care of, right? In terms of shelter and food. That's true, but she has other arrests. I think all she wants is freedom. Um, she has other arrests too, like for like uh, check forgery, car theft, and uh, like other small things like that. Well, stealing a car really small. Those are both pretty big, <laughs> but like not murder. <laughs> yeah, stealing um, a catalytic converter on the other hand, small small stuff. Shut up! It's not. <laughs> it ruined. It's just, I'm very upset about it. Anyways. <laughs> For quite a few years, she continues to like live this wandering lifestyle and hitchhiking around while making money this way, the way that she has been since she was 11. However, in 1986, she meets a woman named Tyria Moore at a lesbian bar in Florida. They like immediately hit it off and they move in together and they kind of live in various motels while uh, motel rooms like across Florida while Eileen financially takes care of them. And Ty wasn't like super, uh, she goes by Ty, her name's Tyria. Ty wasn't super great with money. So Eileen like really had to up her work to support her, but she was absolutely in love with Ty. And so three years after meeting Ty in 1989, Eileen confesses to her one night that she has shot and killed a man earlier that day. So I'm going to get into the murders here. They go by fast, but (laughs) I'm just going to do a quick recap of them all. So the same day that Eileen confesses to Ty, the policeman finds an abandoned car belonging to a man named Richard Mallory. Twelve days later, his body is found under a piece of carpet several miles away from his car. The cause of death is bullet wounds. And then in June, on June 1st, 1990, officers discover a body of a man named David... I wrote David Spade. It's David... It's something else. What is it? Why did I write David Spade? I think you're, it's... You're telling me David Spade was a ghost this whole time? It's David Spears. <laughs> I wrote David Spears. Um, so David Spears, who was a 43-year-old construction worker, and his truck is found a few miles from his body. He was naked and had been shot six times. On July 4th, 1990, police find an abandoned car. It's determined the car belonged belongs to 65-year-old Peter Seams. There is blood on the seats and handles, the door handles, but his body is not located. August 4th of 1990, the body of Troy Burress, a 50-year-old sausage truck driver, is found. His body is in advanced stages of decomposition. And it's later determined the cause of death was two bullet wounds. His car is located a few miles away from his body. September 12, 1990, two boys find a body that is determined to be 
Charles Humphreys, a 56-year-old child abuse investigator. Not a child abuser. I read that wrong the first time. He had been shot six times, and his car is found a few counties over a few days later. later. November 19th, Walter Gino Antonio is found dead. He's a 62-year-old truck driver and a member of the reserve police. He was nearly nude and shot four times. His car is found a few counties over. So there's a total of seven murders in six bodies. And all victims were shot with a 22 caliber pistol. Hmm. On, on July 4th, Eileen... So this is going back to July 4th. Do you remember Peter Sims? His car was found, but not the body. Yeah. Okay, so... That day, his car is found. Eileen steals his car, picks up Ty, and they're driving it when they lose control and it crashes and is totaled. Eileen gets out and people are like, oh my gosh, you okay? Should we call the police? And Eileen's like, no, don't even worry about it. Like I have family that lives nearby. I'm just gonna try to like go over to them and then get help. So she gets back in the car and tries to drive away but the car won't start <laughs> so she gets out and she's like ty we got to get out of here and they just walk away and then the police come and by then they're gone and they get witness the police get witness statements with descriptions of the women who walked away and there is um what are they called fingerprints inside the car and then also they find some of peter sims missing stuff in pawn shops and they're able to use this along with the fingerprints in the car to match Eileen's fingerprints because she has a record and they put out an arrest warrant on January 9th 1991 Eileen is arrested at a biker bar and it's called what was it it's called something funny, like last chance or something. I should have wrote it down. <laughs> but um, then Ty is located in Pennsylvania and also arrested. So I guess once the police started like getting closer to Eileen, Ty just bailed. Ty says, okay, so when they find Ty in Pennsylvania, she says she will get Eileen to confess in exchange for immunity. Ty returns to Florida and while she's in police custody, she calls Eileen a few times, calling beg um sorry, calls Eileen a few times, begging Eileen to admit to the murders and saying that Ty will be arrested for something she didn't do because Eileen isn't coming forward. A little bit manipulative in my opinion but <laughs> just a bit <laughs> it's harsh i know eileen confesses to the murders a few days later and she says they're all in self-defense and that the men had tried to rape her and she was scared for her life eileen is brought to trial for the murder of richard mallory mallory who is the first body that was found the one in carpet I don't know. I tried to look at why she was only tried for him. And I think it's like just in case she was 
exonerated or whatever, they would have someone else to go after and then someone else, like as a safe thing. Um, Eileen says in the trial that Richard had done some real bad stuff to her before she reached her gun and murdered him. It involved handcuffs and rape and sodomy. And during the trial, Eileen was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and antisocial personality disorder. However, she was sentenced to death for the murder of Richard Mallory and stealing his stuff. <laughs> In March of 1992, Eileen, so after she's been sentenced to death, Eileen comes forward and she's like, okay, I did kill three more of those guys you said I killed and I am pleading guilty to that. I want to make it right with God. So then she also comes out and says that Richard, the guy, the first guy, Richard did rape her, but the rest had not. They had only begun to start, which I don't know what that means. Like maybe she felt like it was going too far and she wasn't comfortable, but she pretty much says like is changing her story. Right. In May of 1992, she was given three more death sentences for the three that she had confessed to. <laughs> Just like a cat with nine lives. Yeah. And then in June of 1992, Eileen pleads guilty to the murder of Charles and receives her fifth death sentence. And then in February of 1993, Eileen pleads guilty to the murder of Walter Gino Antonio and was sentenced to death again for the sixth time. And she didn't ever have charges brought against her for murdering Peter Sims because his body was never found. And there's, like I mentioned before, there's a lot of interviews with Eileen that are super contradictory. In some, she's like, it is self-defense. In some, she's like, no, it wasn't. I just wanted to murder them. <laughs> and I have a quote here. In 2001, in an interview, she says, I killed those men, robbed them as cold as ice, and I'd do it again, too. There's no chance in keeping me alive or anything because I'd kill again. I, ha I have hate crawling through my system. I am so sick of hearing this. She's crazy stuff. I've been evaluated so many times. I'm competent, sane, and I'm trying to tell the truth. I'm one who seriously hates human life and would kill again. But, oh, this is really sad. So after an interview, she's seen, she thinks the camera's off and she's seen telling the cameraman that she's lying about it not being self-defense because she just wants to die. So... Yeah. And then on October 9th, 2002, she is injected and killed. What's the word for that? Executed. Executed. And her last meal is reported to be a cup of coffee. And her last words... So her last words are, yes, I would just like to say I'm sailing with the rock and I'll be back like Independence Day with Jesus. 
June 6th, like the movie. Big mothership, big mothership and all. I'll be back. I'll be back. So a lot of people think these last words show like she's not competent and she shouldn't have been sentenced to death. She's not sane. But she does have a lot of interviews where she does seem competent and they're quite interesting to watch. Pretty sad. Um, it's an interesting story. Very interesting. She at one point was adopted while in prison by a Christian woman who saw her on the news and really liked that she was like finding God and everything. But they had a they had a falling out and like they stopped talking hmm. and that's that. <laughs> that's the story of Eileen Warnos. Well, I didn't expect that kind of background to her. When, yeah, because, it was sad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we I, at least I never looked into her. We just sort of came across her when we were developing our, our intro. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had a great soundbite of just, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't kill him every day, did I? She has, yeah, she has some great interviews. Yeah, but it's it's a strange one because I, I thought she was diagnosed as having borderline personality disorder. Uh, I thought I mean, she was. No, no, that's what I'm saying because in one of her interviews, she was saying that she's been found competent and sane, mm-hmm. but like she wasn't, you know, she was yeah. found to be having these burdened with these two conditions. Yeah, that she wasn't really taken care of in any way. Right. And yeah, yeah, I do think we will get, we will become a little more aware of the effects of that kind of abuse during childhood, Mm -hmm. at least when it comes to sort of like the criminal element, as it's called, Mm -hmm. because it's so easy to paint her as just all bad. And I mean, you clearly can't leave her out in the world. Mm -hmm. She killed seven people in a year. I mean, really, really one in a year is too much, right? Like yeah, people who do that can't be left out, but to execute her doesn't seem right either. Yeah, it's so sad. And then like the fact that she told the cameraman, like, I just want to die. Like, oh yeah, that got to me. That was really sad. Her girlfriend kind of got to me a little bit. I just, I don't know. Yeah. Top 10 anime betrayals for sure. Yeah. It's so, but at the same time, like her girl like Eileen murdered a bunch of people like her girlfriend didn't I don't know that's a tough one too this is a tough case yeah yeah it's it's a lot it's a lot more depressing than I thought it would be I I figured (laughs) I figured she was just uh like an opportunist like like any like any number of of the the killers we've covered Mm -hmm. where they're like I want insurance money and they're like kill a spouse or something yeah I I thought that would be her her mo no. Well, I mean, she did steal from them, but speaking of stealing, there's those types of serial killers. What? What? There's one about sex and then one about power. Do you remember? Do you remember those? Very, very, very loosely. But here, I, I will I will list some of them off. But you have your, your mission, kill, mission serial killer slash okay. mission oriented. Uh-huh. Those are the ones who believe it, like they're getting rid of a certain type of person that needs to be removed and that they're doing society a favor. Hmm. So clearly Eileen does not fall into that category. Mm-mm. Then you have your power and control 
which enjoys seeing the victim suffer and enjoys exerting that sort of control and having that power over another person's life. Now, Eileen could be that kind of killer. You know, mm -hmm. these are obviously like boxes and no one's going to fit exactly perfectly into a box. And then you have the visionary serial killer. And these are people who tend to suffer from psychotic breaks, have Ooh. psychotic episodes. Okay. So they, they but, but it's a little, like, I, I want to put Eileen into that category, but just the way she went about the murders, it didn't seem to really be the case because mm -hmm. these people are also, they sometimes believe they're like being told to kill. Oh, like, okay. Like an entity. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's not like perfect. Yeah. Like, but so she's somewhere between, I think, visionary and like power control. Uh huh. I think probably because of her upbringing, she loved being, especially, you know, being abused so much by men. She probably enjoyed having that power over men, uh, the power of life and death. She was also clearly mentally unwell. And I think would suffer some level of psychotic breaks, but it's, uh, it's hard to say. Oh, and, and one, of, one of the last ones is, uh, is like thrill seekers, like thrill seekers. So people who enjoy sort of the, just the thrill of getting away with something and like having the cops chase after you. Mm -hmm. But, but the, these categories, there's, there's so many, like they get, they go by so many names. It's, it's kind of unfortunate, but the, the one that, that the ones that tend to remain the same are our visionary mission mission oriented and, and power control. Mm -hmm. Thrill seeker is one of those like kind of optional ones from what I recall. And then there's the general like hedonists where it's like, very sex-based which also has some overlap with, with power control yeah a lot of these people can fit into more than one for sure like yeah some serial killers really are just completely psychotic and they would very much just fall within the visionary category but but yeah for the most part i think you'll always see elements of, of everything mm -hmm. pe people aren't so they don't just fit in boxes very often yeah yeah Unless you put them in a natural box, but that's a different thing. <laughs> well, I mean, prison's kind of, kind of a box. Yeah. But no, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. These sort of, cause I, I recall during, during my courses, you would be given like various serial killers and yeah, the assignment was to like place them within the categories and like, yeah, like in large part, it, it does work because the hedonist is primarily about what you gain, usually, usually sex, but also money. Mm -hmm. So like some of the women we've covered, like Starvation Heights. What was her, her name again? Linda Hazard. Linda Hazard. I can't believe yep. I forgot her name. That's Hazard such, to your health. Come on. It's such a cool name. Yeah. She would be an interesting one because she seemed to really believe what she was doing, but ultimately she was stealing from her patients. So you would kind of want to like fit her in that like, hedonist yeah but then it, you, you have to ask yourself okay did she enjoy watching them suffer though so was it like a power control thing did she enjoy having that power like over her patients being seen as like the expert who who people would come to to be saved oh so, so it's always it's always a bit, a bit debatable right like it's always not yeah, always, like but... why did you do this yeah right i mean you have to like they would have to tell you exactly what their motivation was and that just always isn't the case Mm -hmm. um, 
as we've seen from some of these interviews, it changes, <laughs> it changes. Yeah. yeah. One of the other women on our, on our, our intro, the one at the very end who, uh, who gets told. Oh, the you, unfortunate. Yeah. It's yeah. unfortunate, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who, who gets told by the reporter, you know, crimes as vicious are usually committed by men. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just like that. That's unfortunate. <laughs> like you and I know oh, we saw her interview. One. That was wild. So in this interview, we'll have to cover her and we'll have to like put in that sound bite because in this whole interview, she's like this crazy, like monotone, like I don't even know how to describe it, like psychopath. And then when she thinks the camera's off, she like completely becomes animated and she's like, How did I do? Like, yeah, it it was wild. Right. So yeah. it, that's the problem too with these uh you have to look at their behaviors to sort of categorize them, but the intention matters a lot. And you're not always going to get a clear answer as to what exactly their mindset was or intentions were, um, unless they're mission oriented. I mean, that's, that was probably the easiest to know. Cause that person will just be like, you know, I'm doing this for the better men of society or, or because these kinds of people killed my family. I am the punisher, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I only found this on one website, so I am going to list this. It's called listerious.com. But they said that Warnos scored a, we've talked about this before, the Harris psychopathy checklist. I think it was for Shelly Notech, but I'm not positive. But Warnos scored a 32 out of 40. And in order to be a psychopath in the United States, you have to score a 30. And then, and they also threw in like one of the highest scoring people on this test was Ted Bundy, who scored a 39. So she did score pretty high on this psychopathy checklist, but we looked at the checklist and a while, we probably don't remember a while back. And I remember us kind of being like, not completely being like, this is a great way to, to, to test somebody, but you yeah. know. How old is this, that test again? It's, it's fairly old, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I should have looked that up. Hold on. It's, okay. it's pretty old. And then also, um, Here, what's it called? The hair, H-A-R-E, psychopathy checklist. Because I do know there have been a lot of advancements in, in psychometrics as a whole. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these, these older questionnaires are definitely a bit dated. They don't really take into account a lot of the, the more modern ways of testing people. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's always like, you know, interesting. And I guess it, it's always good to have more data. So it does provide an additional data point if, if you yeah. have someone score on this. But yeah, I don't know if there's really a, a super mean, effective way of like giving someone a list of questions and being able to know, okay, you're definitely. I, yeah, I think the better way to do it is being like, did you torture animals as a child? <laughs> and start yeah. fires yeah <laughs> yeah like, some, like, yeah those Sorry. are some red flag uh things actions for sure it's yeah even, even yeah that stuff is, is better because it's it's such a strong correlation yeah but that's sort of my ultimate beef with psychology as much as i like the field is you know, you, you will sometimes find people that don't fall with it. Like it's possible to find kids who killed animals when they were young 
maybe even set fires, but they didn't follow that into adulthood. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't go on to become killers, possibly because of in- intervention methods, or maybe they just matured. Do you remember that one study? I imagine you learned it, it was super popular, where there's like these kids in Germany or Russia or somewhere, and they were in like a weird situation where they didn't, they're in like a abusive Oh my gosh, I probably shouldn't even say this because I don't remember it completely. But the ultimate gist was they didn't have like human contact and they all went a little cray cray and were like really awful. And then they got adopted and like they were given a prescription for the parents to like just hug them for like 15 minutes a day. And like they actually saw behavioral changes. Do you remember that? No, no. I want to know more about this. It was really interesting. So like there obviously is a correlation between abused children. They probably don't get that kind of touch or anything. Yeah. I think most of us have heard of those like famous monkey experiments where they took uh, baby monkeys and they gave them two different types of, or I guess ultimately three different types of mothers. One was a, you know, a mother in quotes, like an entire, entirely wireframe mother Robot monkey thing yeah, yeah. he just like dispensed food the other was uh i had the wireframe but was then covered in a warm blanket uh-huh and food was dispensed like on the opposite side of the cage and the third was like you know just a mother monkey mm-hmm. the baby monkeys who grew up with the wireframe mother were like extremely messed up as adult monkeys it's really sad to watch these because these baby monkeys they like try to self-soothe they like hold themselves and they constantly shake and they're just forever like more nervous and scared and they never quite are able to adapt like when they finally put them into bigger enclosures with other monkeys they're Mm -hmm. like never able to fully socialize yeah it's so sad one of the other things they did with the baby monkey who got the blanket mother is they would sort of separate the food from the mother Mm -hmm. to see what the baby would prefer Mm-hmm. And more often than not, the baby monkey would prefer the the comfort of the the warm blanket mother as opposed to food. Like it would eat when it had to, but it would go longer without eating just to have some level of comfort from like a, a mother. And <laughs> yeah. oh my god, so your childhood it can really fuck you up, can it? Oh my god. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. Eileen didn't even have a chance. Yeah. Ugh. She's called America's first woman serial killer. Or no, sorry. She's called the first woman serial killer or something like that. But that is not accurate. That was a media frenzy thing. Yeah, haven't we? We've definitely covered women in the U.S. who killed. Before I mean, her. Linda I think Hazard killed. I guess it wasn't like kill, kill, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if she can. We, I think we talked about whether or not she could be classified as a serial killer. Yeah. But. Yeah, so you'll see that pop up a lot if you Google her. It's not true. It's clickbait nonsense. (laughs) Hashtag fake news. (laughs) Uh, Not to take away from Eileen and how much she did, but (laughs) yeah, Yeah. that wasn't one of them. Do you have any info on on the victims? Oh, that's actually interesting. I didn't. I did see like with, um, I didn't even write it down, so I don't know, with one of them. 
it took like a while for him to be reported missing. So, because a lot of them, not a lot, but quite a few, let's see. I think at least two of them were like truck drivers. So they were gone a lot. And then the one I'm really interested in is like the child abuse investigator. Yeah, that one keeps, that one just stood out so much to me because, and again, I'm just associating his career with him being a really good person, mm-hmm. which, which maybe is, isn't how I should be looking at this, but that one, that one really just stands out to me. Yeah. So two of them were truck drivers. One was a construction worker. One of them was a, he owned a business. I didn't write what. I think it was like a, what was it? This is what happens when we record too long after I do research. Damn it. Yeah. So I didn't actually read any of the family stuff. So who knows? One day we'll we'll make a blog post. And we'll mention it. Yeah, all of this. I I should get started on that this weekend. Ah, It's just so busy. It's already Sunday. I know. Next weekend. <laughs> um, That's our motto. Yeah, seriously. But <laughs> yeah, I didn't. She does have like a ton of movies in two. So she was executed in two thousand and two. Is that right? Maybe. I think October of two thousand two. Let me see. Yeah. So October of two thousand two is when she was executed, and then a movie came out about her in 2003 called monster i was actually going to watch it but i googled it it's not completely accurate so i didn't want to get them all confused (laughs) she has like a ton of stuff she sold the rights to her story before she died oh yeah i wonder who she left the money to then i know right i think so she sold it pretty soon after going to prison and i think she might have just used it to buy stuff while in prison and then it probably just there gosh i feel like this has gone on for a while sorry guys this will be a long one (laughs) i can't even tell how long it's been it just says recording up above i know we're doing it over zoom and it doesn't tell us how long so i feel like we lose track of time last thing she has said even after everything that ty did and even after like as far as i could find them not even talking while eileen was in prison eileen said she still loves ty to the day she was executed Wow. <laughs> Gabe is looking away in disbelief. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I just, I can't help but attribute that to um, the, the overall lack of love in her life. Yeah. And how she was given just like a little bit by this person and she clung to it, even though I that know. person ultimately betrayed her. Sad. I guess Very I can't be that sad. dramatic, that dramatic about it because Ty, I, Ty did the right thing. I mean, right. She, turned in a serial killer yeah i'm like what i do is say like if kobe was murdering people and he came to me and he was like i'm murdering people and then i stayed with him while he kept murdering people like i feel like if then the police came and they found us me doing a plea deal it was all selfish it wasn't like i did the right thing because i didn't go to the police when i knew he was murdering people you know yeah she knew from the first person because Eileen went to her and was like I fucked up today I murdered somebody so she knew this whole time right yeah yeah okay so she yeah saved 
herself. Although (laughs) when you and Kobe get married, you will have that spousal confidentiality thing. So you'll be able to not turn him in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he better wait to murder somebody until (laughs) until we're married. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I'll make sure to tell him that. (laughs) Be like, don't accidentally murder somebody. Actually, then it's manslaughter. Don't murder somebody. Yeah. Uh, Poor Eileen. I know. Like if I was in Eileen's position and she seems to really value her freedom, I would have picked the death penalty too. So like I may, I may have just said a bunch of stuff to get, to get there. Like I wouldn't want to spend a lifetime in prison. Yeah, that's true. That's, ugh, that's so harsh, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And she was on death row for like a long time. It was like 10 or 12 years or something. Yeah. And that, that's, common and you know there's of course that argument of you want them to be on death row that long because it allows for appeals and the chance of finding new evidence that could exonerate them that's because that's happened a a bunch now and she did try appealing but yeah 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 Yeah, i just i don't know what would what would you have done if you knew you were gonna you were gonna go away to prison for the rest of your life would you rather do the prison sentence which is life (laughs) or or get death penaltyed (laughs) I don't know. That's so tough. I just, oh, like, I definitely, I think I'd have to know more about what prison is like. <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> but like, I don't know. You can make some good friends. It'd be in like living in a school. I don't know. I really would need to know what it's like. Because <laughs> I feel like it'd be real shitty. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, you can, it would be kind of like a school, but it would be like a school where you know people can get violent with you and the punishment is come on like the guards like the abuse inmates suffer from some guards that's real bad like i don't know i just i don't think that's worth it yeah but i'm sure some some people really they don't not that they love being in prison but i'm sure some people like make the most of it and they come to have some semblance of like a life there Mm -hmm. but i don't know well Let's not ever find out what decision we'd make. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure I know my decision. Yeah, I, I think I would definitely <laughs> go for the go for the chair. Dark. Do they still do that? I thought they. Oh no, it used to be like electrocution or something. Yeah. And then they changed it to injection. Yeah. Because that's more humane. I don't know about that. Because let's it, not let's not let's not go into. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. yeah, no, this episode, this episode's gonna be long because we started at like 1030. No, oh, about an hour. So I think it'll be it'll be okay. Yeah, for sure. And this one was kind of a long one. She did a lot of stuff. A lot of killing in one year. It's a shame there was there's so much information about her upbringing, but not as much about the exact way she like met these men. Like it was only her and the man she killed in each encounter. So she walks away and then the, the story is up to her. Mm-hmm. So we can't well, even she get does, like. She does go into depth about the first one because that was the trial mm-hmm. of, what was his name? Mallory, something Mallory. I have it right here. Richard Mallory. She goes into detail about that one. She says um, she meets him. He hires her for sex. They get into his car. He like handcuffs her to this 
steering wheel and she feels super unsafe and he like he, he rapes her and does some really messed up stuff and she manages to reach for her gun and she takes it and shoots him and then she like dumps his body out of the car and covers it with the carpet that was in the car and then she drives away <laughs> yeah but so there's detail on that one but it's like all her detail is, yeah is my so point. you don't know yeah you don't know what right and, and time could... had passed yeah and then later actually no she says she always sticks with that story for him she always says he raped her it's the other one she changed multiple times <laughs> depending on the day <laughs> <laughs> depending on how she felt that day yeah <laughs> what who, who the interviewer was <laughs> yeah that kind of thing yeah what do you call those wheels that you spin they have like different labels <laughs> I don't know, like the wheel of fortune wheel of do, yeah, do, yeah. Do, do, do. <laughs> she was just like reasons for murder and she just spun it it was like oh what do I, what do I feel like like uh, saying today yeah but Maybe. yeah her interviews are pretty wild if you are bored one day and on youtube they're pretty much all there yeah so. highly recommended if, if you're as fascinated by this sort of individual as we are if you're listening to us we recommend it because you will be very intrigued <laughs> yeah so. okay i think that's all we got yeah. mm -hmm. i don't know what do you think i think so i think this is good thank you for listening and the usual yep oh and sorry we didn't release an episode <laughs> oh last God. week yeah i'm so sorry i was so busy and i just we didn't i'm sorry but okay, we're then. releasing them this week so yes yes maybe maybe we should record a second one during right now i don't have any research for another one what do you know we we'll, just, we'll just make it up make up yeah. make up a name make up a killer make up oh that's what we should have done for april fools <laughs> oh we should have <laughs> that would be good oh, now you guys don't know what we're gonna do for <laughs> april <laughs> it's completely ad-lib a story i thought oh you prepared <gasps> just, what <laughs> yes oh my what? gosh that'd be amazing yeah we should do that in like a what do you call it a format where like we each do one like each just yeah. keep continuing it <laughs> oh wait i think you mentioned a, you mentioned this before as like a two truths and a lie where you would oh, yeah. tell, tell two real stories and one fake or, one yeah, yeah and one fake story yeah that could, yeah. That could actually have been kind of good damn it Gabe. <laughs> you're <laughs> like no that's <laughs> that's not a good idea <laughs> it more just sounds really long because like uh, the amount of because you would have to actually research two stories for that week but they would and, be really short ones yeah if we're doing three I, don't know. I, I like the one we did with the the woman who pretended to kill her husband it's like such a such sitcom level like ridiculousness i know oh that's awful anyways right. yeah <laughs> thanks guys bye bye